Curiosity on Dublin City FM. We're here, we're queer, get into it. I'm James O'Hagan and this is Curiosity, proudly presented by LGBT Ireland, the national LGBT support service. Whatever's on your mind, LGBT Ireland's helpline volunteers are here to listen seven days a week on 1800 929 539. Coming up on today's show, Podrick and I will get you up to speed on some of the week's top LGBTQI plus stories in our Rainbow Roundup. We chat with non-binary queer performer, producer and drag artist Ren Dennehy, who currently is starring in the extremely well received gender-bending all-female and non-binary cast reimagining of Brendan Behan's The Queer Fellow in the Abbey Theatre. We'll chat to them about becoming an artist, their love of drag and the excitement of being involved in this unique retelling of a classic Irish show. And at the end of 2021, two and a half, year, or two and a half years after himself and partner Graham got married, Stephen Roberts celebrated another momentous occasion for his family with the birth by surrogacy of his daughter Juliet. Stephen is going to join us today to talk about his journey to fatherhood, the importance of visibility for rainbow families and how Baby Juliet has changed the way they celebrate Christmas. Here on Query and here on Curiosity, we regularly feed the children. But this week in Reeling in the Queers, we're feeding the whole darn world as we take a trip back to the year. Iconic Christmas song, Band-Aid at the charts. But before we get into any of that, he is the wise man to my shepherd, Podrick Wilson-McCarthy. Can you handle it? Not really, Vib. No, no would I be the wise man? I don't, I don't, I never know which way that actually works. Like whether I'm the first or you're the second, but look, we'll go with it. I mean, if you're going to, if you want to call me wise, <laughs> wise beyond my ears, but wise beyond your ears. Why, well, definitely. Well, I mean, I'm not sure about that now. I've got many more under my belt than yeah. you do at this point. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good. I had a weird experience this morning coming in. I got myself a little coffee and the, the man, as he was handed to me, like it was just in a, like just in an insomnia, yeah. you know, got handed the coffee. And the guy said to me, enjoy as I was walking away and it just gave me such a nick I was like no don't tell me to enjoy your like oh my god your... Scrooge am I the Grinch what have, what have I you said know, just... what have you said don't enjoy I'd be... Be like, I'd be like I probably won't <laughs> yeah, I'm be... just I'm getting this to kill some time thanks very much I don't know why it's just this sort of notion of like because it's like oh enjoy oh, this is a real luxury this is not a luxury baby <laughs> yeah. I'm just yeah. I'm just yeah. if I wanted luxury I wouldn't be in the zombie yeah, exactly thing. that's exactly that's it terrible. I'd have headed around the corner to somewhere much more upper crust <laughs> <It's a> poor, <laughs> poor fella and all he was doing was giving me a coffee and, 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 and that, the radio stove's on over there I'm sure he's actually here yeah, he's, he's, he's found, found broken in the insomnia yeah. toilet yeah exactly uh, no reviews on TripAdvisor for that insomnia anyway <laughs> no but I I don't know. I just think that, like, when you get like an enjoy from a staff member, it should really about something luxurious. Do you yeah, not agree I know with what that? I mean, I, well, sometimes coffee, you know, first drink of the day. I don't. But if you went to like a cuisine de France stand in the super value and bought yourself a croissant, and the guy in, serving you in the in the super value was like, enjoy. I'd be like, thank you so much. I will. <laughs> I guess that's what we call manners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot you know about them. A lot you know about them. Uh, anyway, look, I think we need to get on into the news. Absolutely. And you know what? We actually have a very Irish. Theme themed and good news roundup of news stories this week you'll be yes, glad to hear I am absolutely delighted we love when we get some positive some, stories exactly and the first one is well it starts off a little bit negative but it picks up anyway right a, pet- a petition in support of trans athletes in Irish dancing has been launched after a trans minor faced hateful comments for winning at a recent competition okay mm-hmm. so it took place in the US a teenage trans dancer who competed in the female category at an event where dancers could qualify for the World Irish Dancing Championships which is a huge deal mm-hmm. right the the worlds are I've known people who've competed in the worlds and it's a huge deal it's yeah. like it's going it's like up at the Olympics like you know what I mean There's, their, their whole life is taken up by it yes so anyway this um, trans um, 
teenager was competing in the female category and they won and faced huge backlash right people started petitions um, and they were saying you know that, th- that th- this person had robbed the competition citing biological differences as their issue um two online petitions have been launched for the exclusion of trans competitors in yeah. these competitions which is obviously just a bit I just, I just think like, it, it, it always it always sort of you know boils our blood a little bit because a lot of times it seems like as if the kind of when this kind of stuff happens mm. that it always starts from a place of having to just default assume that female competition is inferior mm. to male competition yeah. that it is from that point of view of like automatically a a female space competition is inferior to so therefore this idea of a man masquerading somehow is like well of course they're going to win it's like well no doll I, I, you're absolutely wrong also, women's competition anyway I, I, I could go on just don't be a sore loser <laughs> yeah, like if you're if you're exactly. if you're bad like that's your own problem <laughs> work harder <laughs> Don't be, you know what I mean? Don't be coming for anybody else because of it. In response, though, the uh, on commission le rinky Gaelica, uh, don't we love it? Yeah, which is actually one of the oldest and largest competitive dance organisations in the world. Flake released a statement in support of trans women, and they, it was lovely. Look, they said uh, uh, loads of lovely things, uh, very inclusive, but just. Uh, the main points they said we look forward to a future where dancers are not only uh, are where dancers not only continue to compete in the category that aligns with their gender identity but are celebrated universally by all members of their community trans dancers have the right to compete and um, have the right to succeed and we st- stand in strong alignment with the transgender Irish dance community so that was just lovely little that uh, is no it's fantastic to, to see that out, and like come come out so people. strongly yeah. exactly because I think it is like even people forget like it's such a a small population within our old overall population and they're consistently being just subjected to this incredibly negative narrative going on and these feelings of exclusion have such massive impacts on people's mental health without a doubt. willingness to participate in life yep. want to like be themselves so no well yep. done Rinky Nagelka exactly. it's very easy to not say anything isn't that, isn't that right absolutely um, from there uh, more locally even uh, Dublin City Council has passed a motion that will protect libraries from intimidation from anti-LGBTQ plus protests for, from far right groups okay not only that though they are going to supply libraries nationwide with LGBTQ plus literature and as you know many aggravated attacks have taken place in libraries up and down the country last March specifically um, probably one of the most high profile ones Mm -hmm. uh, in Cork City the library staff were subjected to Dogs abuse, um, slurs, intimidation, yeah. um, and they were recorded without their consent as yeah. well. And those videos were posted online by far far right groups. This bill has come in now, um, which basically protects not only um the right to go into a library and read LGBTQ plus books, yes. but also people can work in their library now without fear of being absolutely oh, you know, I mean, it's torn so, to shreds. It's so fantastic, I suppose, as well, because like this is sort of a coming from like a local authority. They're really stamping their, their colours to the mast of like, no, this is what these spaces are for. It's about inclusion. It's about making sure everyone feels safe going into them. And those are the direct action kind of, uh, those direct action campaigns that were taking place all over the country are so absolutely kind of run by such a small group of people, but they make themselves so loud that you could easily be forgiven for thinking that 
this is the attitude of most people but like again and again and again you see the sort of the stats coming out to suggest to, to show that the majority of people want a fair inclusive society where everyone can thrive and be themselves and these are the people who are going and showing up at the doorsteps of of um, of, of schools and of, of, of libraries are absolutely out of step with the majority of people want so excellent news yeah, well done Dumb City Council totally it's great news and the fact that they're providing books as well a lot of the time what these groups are saying is you know that they have the right you know freedom of speech and all that but what they're trying to do is prevent other people from going into the library and just reading a book no like, I when know you, when you think about you're stopping someone from reading a book no I know it's just and it's outrageous. also it's, it's so disingenuous also because a lot of times they'll be kind of they, very they contradictory will, very contradictory and they'll, they'll be framing they'll be like actively selecting bits and pieces to like meet a particular argument they have they'll be creating a representation saying like oh they are giving books that contain these things to people of this age group even though that isn't happening and it's so hard to get into the weeds of arguing with those sort, mm. that sort of uh, that, that sort of group because the minute right. you get into the argument you're losing it already and you kind of just want to be able to I don't know if you've seen on um, on TikTok this guy going viral um, where there's like some alt-right American guy kind of asks yeah. uh, sort of a, a Bilbo Baggins looking man on the side of the yeah. road would you uh, would you choose LGBTQ inclusion or a, a, like a, a, a prosperous economy and your man kind of who you'd expect is going to get into argument is basically like your question is ridiculous yeah. both of them can exist at the same time and yeah. I was like good on you that's yeah, exactly. how we need to start dealing with these the, people exactly <laughs> exactly Co- like if we have to coexist with these people we'll, we'll just have to do it won't yeah. we but th- I think it's their issue more th- so than ours um, moving on all of us strangers the new gay oh. drama that I cannot and I'm waiting with bated breath is coming out at the end of January obviously starring our very own Andrew Scott and Paul Meskell Oh my god Dreamboats What Dream a dream boats. team And you know The press has started for it You know They're out on, on the beat They're trying to You know Get every get everyone riled up And ready for it Have you seen much of like what Of the content that's coming I, in from yeah, it Yeah so like I've, I've I've kept up I watched They did like a, um, a Sort of A uh, uh, co-star besties video yes. on on BuzzFeed and like I swear to God I was saying to, to, saying this to you before we were recording today that like I'm always surprised by the like sheer star power and charisma yeah. of Paul Meskel when he starts speaking because I'm so used to him from being so small and things like yeah. like um, normal people or after sun where a lot of the like his performance is around nuances and stuff that you actually see him and he's got this megawatt smile and Andrew Scott is so funny and it, honestly yeah. These people make me proud to be Irish. I know, They're so beautiful. I know, to- totally. <laughs> I mean, they have the gays in a firm grip. They 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 seem to love spending time together. Yeah. Uh, even during the actors' strike there, which was happening recently, uh, while they couldn't technically do any press for the film, they were spotted parting together in a Madrid gay bar. I mean... Come on, like say, like th- that's exactly what they need to be doing. It is. I'm going to be lining up to go and watch Absolutely it. Absolutely, will um, be. Again, look, the, the the director only adds fuel to the fire. In an interview with People, the director um, said that they have amazing chemistry, that they're both so soulful and they're brilliant actors, and they bring the film to life. Basically, James, they're gay baiting us. And I We're here love for it. it. They I are absolutely here it. for it. But I am. Um, I have to. Say they were talking about their favorite scene and said that some of the more, more intimate scenes were actually their favorite to shoot because yeah. there was such a, a sort of a juxtaposition in the joy and the crack they were having with yeah. the serious and really, the intimacy re- and really comfortable with each other. Uh, yeah, and I think that it's, it's like so important. Friends. I think for Paul, Paul Mescal is such a great role model there for someone who kind of can show like heterosexual men that it's okay. Like you know, kind of you know, get a bit camp, enjoy yourself. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, breaking down those barriers. Well, that's it. 
that's all for this week's news but we have loads more coming up we're chatting to Ren Denny who plays the hangman in The Queer Fellow currently playing at Dublin's Abbey Theatre and I will be taking you back to the air that Torvalin Dean got tens 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 across the board at their Winter Iconic. Olympics Iconic. Iconic but first here's some music it's Dua Lipa and Houdini on Curiosity. Ren Dennehy is a non-binary drag, queer performer, producer, drag artist and actor currently starring as the hangman in a gender-bending all-female and non-binary cast reimagining of Brendan Behan's The Queer Fellow running at the Abbey Theatre until late January 2024. We're joined by Ren now to chat about identity and coming out, finding a love of performance, healing as a queer community and how it feels to take the stage of one of Ireland's most iconic theatre spaces in such a unique production. Thanks for coming in to chat to us, Ren. Thanks for having Welcome, me. Welcome, Ren. Thanks for coming in. <laughs> Ren, You've spoken in the past about how coming out is something that's more for straight people rather than for ourselves. Mm. Do you... Really interesting take, right? Do do you still believe that? And if there is someone who's just about to embark on their coming out journey, what advice would you give to them? Yeah, I suppose like philosophically, I still believe that it's a, a process and an action that is something that is for others rather than for ourselves. It's a sort of like... Um, checking the room sort of saying like this is who I am I hope you're okay with it is sort Mm -hmm. of the energy um, that I feel like we're sort of forced into Um, but also like to add on to that it is as much about yourself as it is about other people and the way that you like phrase that like it it is true though actually it is something that you you kind of have to do for other people actually rather than yourselves first and foremost in a way yeah Yeah. it really is Um, I think it's important to remember that there are as many ways to come out as there are people on this planet and um, I felt myself when I was younger that it had to be sort of this like one and done event yeah. whereas actually you have to kind of come out mm. all the time Yeah. Um. nearly every new person you meet you have to this is a, this is the thing that I, I really have kind of come to realise over the last particularly the last couple of years and I think it's because we're sold this sort of weird American high school dramatisation of life yeah. where kind of like everything happens in a singular moment and then it's done forever yeah. and almost you can sort of feel like you know the, you, you need to then just shoulder the pressure and the reality of the fact that every time you go into a new space with new people you don't know yeah. you're having to reveal your identity mm-hmm. and you're having to like accept the possibility that that person could be like oh you're one of those no thanks very much yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it's an added extra pressure or a little fear that you might have every time you go somewhere new definitely Yeah. so I, I suppose like as a, a visible non-binary person you've spoken about the challenges of being stared at and mm. assumptions being made about you how do you navigate the balance between being visible for yourself and managing those sort of external perceptions and expectations that come with it because I do find I think that at the moment with the way the trans and non-binary conversation has gone there's a real expectation that trans and non-binary people need to act a particular way yeah sort of like gay people during the marriage equality referendum were sort of like told what you need to like be this particular way so you are palatable for the consumption of the uh, society so how do you manage that definitely I think kind of earlier um when I was younger and sort of closer to when I came out I was way more aware I guess of um, or way more concerned with how I was being perceived mm-hmm. and thankfully like with the benefit of time and a bit of oh, uh, God, growing up I just really don't care <laughs> yeah. good for you uh, anymore um, and I kind of felt like it was important when I was a bit younger to sort of be seen to be doing good in the community and to be seen to be um, you know to being like championing the cause yeah. whereas now it sounds 
selfish maybe but I'm way more concerned about myself <laughs> <laughs> while you. still being mindful about the, the movement <laughs> of the community but also you know you only have yourself at the end of the day so you kind of have to look after number one Um, I care way less but I'm still sort of aware of how trans people are perceived and certainly like in the media yeah. um, it was great to hear you guys talking about the, the rinky gaelica yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a really that's a really good example yeah. for, for trans people and sport and attitudes towards it um, but yeah we're, we're still uh, facing huge challenges all the time and that comes from a kind of a macro scale in the media and also sort of on the street in terms of mm. attitudes yeah yeah no it really like I think that's the thing eventually you do sort of just bec- I think that getting to that place where you don't care and you're just on your you just are yourself unapologetically is kind of where everyone wants to get to and you spend the first part of your life being schooled into thinking everyone is watching you and if you don't behave in exactly this way yeah. we're all gonna see it and we're all gonna know um, and eventually when you can shrug that off and be like I'm just gonna be who I am I'm not yeah. going to but on the subject of like being who you are uh, and this is the run up to Christmas mm. and Christmas can be a super challenging time for queer people particularly uh, where there may be strained uh, family relationships and where people may be struggling kind of with spending a lot of time in, in a situation or a household where they may not be as comfortable to be themselves what sort of advices do you have for people navigating those sort of challenges with families yeah it can be a really challenging time for people and particularly queer people I feel really lucky that I'm, I'm really looking forward to Christmas with my family this year um, but I tell would take my lead from um, Queen of Irish Literature Marion Keys she yes. has really good advice um, look it up on YouTube she has a really beautiful video for kind of surviving Christmas um, and that is to sort of take it as it comes and to do it your own way um, there's, I think it's sort of overemphasized that Christmas is a time for family and mm. for many people it is and that's lovely but if that's not the case for you have the Christmas that you want to have yeah. um, yes. if that means spending Christmas alone that's great for you yeah. Yeah. that might be the best option that is not you know the, the you know the last option on your list you know that should be yeah. if that suits you then you should do that a lot of the time we put others ahead of ourselves at Christmas yeah. because there's always there's that you know um, buying presents for other people and making sure that you know you're making everyone happy that you're all together but Actually, that can be detrimental to yourself as well. So yeah, you're you right. Do, don't you do don't buy presents for the people. Just no. buy presents for yourself. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly. it, you know? yeah, yeah, basically. Right. Fill, fill your own they, shopping they cart can, first. They can buy know? presents for me, no problem. <laughs> yeah, but I'd also advise people to sort of like, uh, you know, check in with your wider network, whether they be kind of other queer people or not. Yeah. Everybody has a different approach to Christmas. Yeah, it's not sort of a one size fits all where everybody loves no, spending no. all that time at home. And to make a sort of like Christmas emergency plan, whatever that might be, whether that's a phone call or a Zoom call or go for a walk, whatever totally. it is. Yeah, totally. absolutely. We're going to chat a little bit about the queer fellow in a while, right? But you have been a drag performer, producer, actor, master of all trades. <laughs> uh, has being a performer always been a big side of who you are? Yeah, big time. Um, it sort of revealed itself to me when I was about eight. Um, and we were doing our communion prep for. Uh, <laughs> Do you know what? Uh, it's so mass. true. It's like when I was younger, and you know when you're like an altar boy. Yeah. Like oh. I was only there to ring the bells. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> and ring the music. And it was camp, and I got yeah. to wear a dress, and I loved it. Oh, here, <laughs> I do not even know how many sort of small living room productions I forced yeah. all of my aunts and uncles yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. We've all yeah, been yeah, there yeah, yeah. and charged yeah. for. Yeah. I will. I will be charged. <laughs> I, I see the full length curtain was my curtain for the stage, and I appear <laughs> from the window. Yeah, love it. But uh, we. We were all given different jobs sort of they were assigned randomly and some people had to sing a song and I had to sing a song and I sang in the church and that was my first sort of audience yeah I realized then I had the bug 
and that was yeah, yeah. I and I have that. to like so you 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 said at one point in the past that you kind of that like it was finding RuPaul's Drag Race, which now is so mainstream, but probably at the time when you were kind of coming to it first, it was a bit more of a kind of off the beaten track thing. Kind of showed that it was actually drag might be something that you wanted to explore, yeah. and then you kind of for a while lived through or lived lived as kind of a a a, a performance entity evoke a reaction yeah. before it kind of like saying no no, no Ren's time is now yeah, <laughs> yeah. so how was that and that kind of like coming to drag come to drag moment rather than a come to Jesus moment yeah um it was a really brilliant and empowering moment um and I have loved my time performing on the Dragon Cabaret circuit I've met amazing people and had beautiful um shows with beautiful audiences um drag is a really powerful um performance art form um and what it actually uh, RuPaul says this drag doesn't hide who you are it reveals yeah. who you are um, so actually somehow through all the artifice and the makeup and the costumes and all the rest of it um, your sort of true self is revealed and that's what drag did for me I love that. it sort of gave me a platform to be able to perform as myself but not as myself yeah. and then eventually be able mm. to sort of step kind of, into my would own would you see it as a stepping stone to like helping you build your confidence in a way yeah for sure for sure um, you know drag audiences are great but they're also judgy yeah. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> they stand up in front of a drag they thicken the skin if you can stand up in front of a drag audience and come down and uh, then you're doing well yeah, yeah. You know what we, I mean? we've only got about five minutes left so we want to get to chat to you about uh, this new production of The Queer Fellow mm-hmm. in, in the Abbey. So first of all, like when you were being sold the idea of this sort of gender bending reimagining of it and sort of, you know, when you were going through, I suppose, whatever the audition process involved, mm. how how excited were you to see the Abbey do something like this? Particularly with challenges they may have had around representation over the last number of, of years. Yeah, for sure. I think it was really exciting and really kind of bang on for... Um, a meeting of the sort of the two strands that run through the Abbey, which is a yeah. very sort of traditional, this is Ireland's national theatre that was established at the turn of the century by like WB Yeats and Lady Gregory and also the modern Ireland that has emerged since yeah. then. Um, and I think the current uh, co-directors, Katrina McLaughlin and, and um, Mark, have done a great job of uh, sort of consolidating those two parts in addressing some of the issues with representation yeah. with their predecessors um, and now coming through with this really amazing um, all-female non-binary cast performing a traditional uh, classic Irish play that is supposed to be performed by 15 to 20 men written by, uh, you know, very sort of man's man's yeah. writer, yeah. Uh, Brendan Behan. Um, I think it's really perfect for the for the time. What I was surprised because I mean I haven't actually seen the 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 queer fellow, but I've been. It's kind of very queer coded when I went back to look at it yeah. in some ways because it's a brain kind of identity, understanding humanity, sort of outsiders. All, I, so I was sort of like these themes are kind of like what is like a very masculine like prison drama sure. is very like layered with a lot of super sort of. I don't know, subtle queerness throughout Yeah, it. definitely. And we've been able to really find that. out. We've an amazing director, Tom Creed, who himself is a member of the queer community. So all of that was really um, well understood by him. But also I learned during the process from researching Behan, and we all discussed this, but that Behan was most, more than likely bisexual himself mm-hmm. um, and definitely had relationships with men throughout his time. So it's subtly queer-coded and then there's more kind of overt queerness yeah, through yeah. it as well. Um, yeah. No, it is like, I, I mean, it must be very exciting as well to be kind of stepping out onto what is Ireland's national stage. Like, how, has, how has that been for, how has that been for you as was in, in terms of kind of your career progression? How are you feeling? What's the, what's next? What's coming next for you? Oh, I have no idea, but it, it, it's such <laughs> a, <laughs> this is a real kind of like bucket list moment. Like yeah, getting to perform on the Abbey stage was definitely like on my list of things to do. And I didn't, I had kind of wouldn't have imagined that it would happen 
this soon I would have thought I was kind of further away so who knows what <laughs> that's brilliant and, and the, the overall reaction has been hugely positive to it as well so you must be delighted with that as well yeah it's been great I mean like we've got great reviews and the audiences are loving it um, and I've been really kind of pleasantly surprised at like traditional Abbey going audiences a lot of them like older people have been really responsive to yeah. it as well um, and are seems to be really on the journey with us yeah no I think it is it is fantastic because when you see that kind of people are willing to buy into a new way of, of perceiving something that is kind of like very traditional and older yeah. particularly like Brendan Bean is like such a kind of stalwart of like kind of our history mm. as, a, as, as kind of a um as, as our cultural history the fabric of our cultural history it's amazing that people are like willing to be like okay I'm so open to like seeing this and how is like I suppose the, how is the cast working together like are you all kind of excited to be doing it and will you be having a massive Christmas party yeah and, and can we come yeah. <laughs> <laughs> our Christmas party is actually tonight so oh, I'll, send, I'll send the details later um, no it's been a really it's been an absolute dream working with this cast and it's uh, a really interesting um, mix of people kind of different ages different generations different backgrounds um, some of us trans and non-binary some of us many of them um, cisgender uh, but we've had a real kind of level of understanding and level of respect within the yeah. cast um, and also a lot of like crack and camaraderie yeah. and just really getting along well yeah brilliant so we've got to we've got to finish up now in a moment so do you want to tell people where they can go to get themselves tickets if they don't already know and also where they can come and find out more about your journey and what you're doing as well yeah so if you want to get tickets to come see the queer fella we run until the uh, 27th of January January. Uh, you can get tickets at the abbeytheatre.ie uh, website or at the box office. The Abbey Theatre is on Abbey Street Lower. And if you would like to follow me, my Instagram is at the Ren the Ren. Amazing. Ren, Thank you so much, Ren. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Welcome back to Curiosity. In just a moment, we're going to be talking to Stephen Roberts about the trials and tribulations of being a new dad and what it is to be a rainbow family. But first, here they are. It's Destiny's Child with Eight Days of Christmas. At the end of 2021, two years after himself and partner Graham married, Stephen Roberts celebrated another momentous occasion in his family with the birth by surrogacy of his daughter Juliet. Since then, in addition to all the duties associated with being a busy working dad, Stephen has worked alongside Equality for Children and Irish Gay Dads on their No More Delays campaign to push forward equality for families regardless of how they were created. Stephen joins us now to talk about the journey to fatherhood, how it changed him, and with Christmas just around the corner, and now that Julie, and how Juliet has changed the way that they celebrate. I stumbled over a few words here, but I got there in the yeah. end. Stephen, <laughs> thanks for chatting to us today. <laughs> Hi James, hi Podrick, thanks a million for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. On. So the first question I'd be interested to ask you is, because this is something I suppose, uh, uh, queer families and rainbow families aren't something I suppose that are, that are very, um, that, that are around for a very long time and are in, in kind of like visibility within our society. So did you ever envision as a gay man that the possibility of becoming a parent would be open to you when you kind of were growing up or maybe even when yourself and Graham were starting to, to date and think more seriously about a life together? When I was younger, no. I uh, Initially, I never thought it would be something that we'd see in in this country anyway. Uh, I never thought it would be a possibility that that would be open to us. Um, as When I met Graeme, it was something we talked about at great length, even though back then, that was 13 years ago, we didn't really think that it would be something that we could explore. 
or like it was the kind of thing that like for the rich and famous that's yeah. where <laughs> yeah. same-sex couples had kids and things like that um but as we kind of progressed on we knew it was something we wanted to do and we actually started initially exploring surrogacy or sorry adoption and yeah. um, we went through the whole um adoption approval process with uh Tuzla. And after going through that process, uh, we decided that surrogacy was the road we wanted to go down. And now Juliet's here. <laughs> that's that's amazing, Stephen. Parenthood must be a huge adjustment, especially as like a first time dad. Um, how has how has life changed for you guys since welcoming Juliet? And I suppose what were the biggest adjustments that you had to get used to or that you had to make? The probably the biggest. Um, adjustment and it accounts for I'd say probably about 99% of my conversations these days is uh, bodily fluids and, <laughs> uh, the joys dealing with all that kind of, yeah all the joys of that yeah, um, but, <laughs> yeah it's, it's not pretty but any parent will tell you that it's it accounts for about 99% of the time but um, apart from that like yeah it's, it's been a massive change um adjusting to ha- to to having her here it, the thing is we we were kind of a bit more prepared we like this was something we wanted we've been working towards for years um but there's no real preparing for for yeah. when a child actually comes into your life like she changes everything and no matter how ready you think you are uh, you're not so I totally it, understand. it's a learn as you go I can, I can see that though and i suppose it's one of those on the job things that you need to learn isn't that true oh yeah absolutely <laughs> every day is a, a learning day like and the fact that like she is completely different with me and with my husband Graham and then with other people. Like yeah. when she she's in crush, she's in a local crush here and she's completely different with them. Like she eats foods for them and of reacts course. in different ways with them, but <laughs> will not do that here. So yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's constant learning, constant adapting. I know. I, I suppose we're we're starting to see LGBTQ plus families more, but they're very much still very up underrepresented underrepresented in society as well as in media I, um, as someone who's gone through the journey now how, how important it is how, how important is it for you to share your journey and how important is it for others to see diverse families in society I personally think it's incredibly important and as I said like 13 years ago which isn't that long um, I didn't think this was a pathway that was open to us uh, just as like inverted commas normal people um, but the there are there's options there there's, there's pathways there that people can take um and that's one of the reasons like i sat down with graham and uh we decided that i was going to use my my instagram platform to share the story that we're going on and the the struggles of that the um the journey in ireland and what that looks like from a legal perspective all that kind of side of things and mm-hmm. um, we decided that it was really important to share that because there'll be other people who will be looking at our story and not know that they have that option yeah. or they don't know that because we are very very underrepresented in in media in, like everywhere like mm-hmm. it's it's not often like we still get it now like even in forms that we're filming out it's like mom and dad or like that kind of thing so and that's just like the generic standard mm-hmm. form of that course. 
and it's only that's something so, so small yeah like, isn't it? and i think that's like, it's, yeah. it's about those changes those sort of like the, the, the d heteronormativity and cisnormativity of mm. of of paperwork is probably one of the greatest steps we could take towards equality for queer people but the, i suppose the last thing i wanted to ask you um i'd love to have another conversation about kind of you know the the, the movement towards ahr but uh, the, the sort of the the assisted human reproduction and surrogacy agreements and, and all of that but i don't think we're gonna have time today and the most important thing to talk about right now is kind of with christmas just around the corner like how are you preparing for this this for for a holiday season that really is all about children and the joy the children bring into your life and sort of how much has that brought to your life oh it's like even if you just look at the like the holiday season um it has completely reawoken the magic of that kind of side of it it like looking at that from uh from the point of view of a child is just it's just madness to, to like to, to see the way christmas and other holidays around this time kind of mm-hmm. How, how it kind of just wakes up and um, it's completely changed our lives like it's like before it used to be like going out and like the 12 pubs and things yeah, like that yeah. now it's now it's preparing for Santa yeah uh, <laughs> yeah we... which is it's a different preparation yeah, yeah. So we, we have to we have to wrap up now just in a second. Thank you so much for speaking to us, even. But if anyone wants to go and have a look at the your your journey over on your Instagram, where can they go and follow you? Uh, and is there any other accounts of, of, of sort of good people who are working towards equality for, for rainbow families that you'd suggest people might go and check out as well? Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to check me out, it's uh, Steel underscore Roberts uh, on Instagram. And there's two fantastic accounts. Um, you mentioned there the AHR bill. Um, both of these accounts do a lot of work in terms of uh, progressing that and uh, fighting for equality for rainbow families and same-sex families. Um, that is Equality for Children and Irish Gay Dads. Uh, there's a wealth of information on both of those and yeah, I highly absolutely. encourage all of your listeners to go. Absolutely. Thank Thanks, you so Stephen. much for chatting to us and best of luck getting ready for the Christmas season. Yeah, have a lovely Christmas. No problem. <laughs> you too and thank you both for having me on. Thank no you. Really at all. appreciate it. Thank you. Are you ready? Oh, do, do I still need to be here? No, yeah, you do. You, I have to have someone to bounce off. <laughs> yeah, it was me now carrying the show on my back this week. <laughs> but I am taking you on a trip down memory lane, James. Um, as you mentioned at the top of the show, it's 1984. And 1984, for Reading in the Queers this week, um, Band-Aid was formed in 1984 by our very own Bob Geldof and Midge Yore to raise funds for the anti-famine effort in Ethiopia. Uh, Do They Know It's Christmas Time was recorded, and it was recorded over one day. I didn't know this. It was recorded over one day at the studio because it was they could only provide 24 uh, hours honestly, of free time. I I, that video, like I've never seen anything more glamorous. I know like, it was you know, a big deal. Kylie Minogue rolling up in her like her the car. Who's who? I mean, it was the who's who of of eighties yeah. iconic yeah. people. George uh, Michael. Oh my god! There you go. Everyone was in it. If you weren't in it, where were you? Yeah, exactly. Where were you? Where were you in <laughs> yeah. the in the nineteen eighty four? If you weren't in, if you went in Band Aid. A couple of facts on that one. Bono was the artist to perfect his recording in one take. He took the least amount of time one out of everyone. Take wonder. One take wonder. Absolutely. Or Bono. Yep, Bono. <laughs> uh, who do you reckon took the longest? 
Uh, I am going to guess uh, Boy George. Yeah, exactly. Actually, oh, yeah. Boy George through. had a sore throat <laughs> on the day, so it took uh, it took Boy George the longest. Um, about the track, though, do they know it's Christmas? It entered the UK singles chart at number one and stayed there for five weeks. Uh, obviously, becoming Christmas number one that year, which is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sold a million copies in the first week, becoming the fastest selling single in UK chart history. And the UK sales passed three million on the last day of 1984, so it was still going. Um, and it raised £8 million for charity and still a Christmas institution today. Absolutely. That's fantastic. I had no idea that it was Huge on like number money. one for, for so long. I yeah. like, I, now, what I want to know, does the money still go to the same charity all of these years That's later? a very good Benedict. question. When we get Bono in, we'll find yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lying in his pockets, going, go. hey, Bob oh, Geldof. Also in nineteen eighty four, and it wouldn't be like me to wouldn't be like me now to bring it back to Cork for a second, <laughs> right? The Cork's women's fun weekend was established as a way for women to come together socially without having the pressures of facing the issues of rights and visibility. Have you heard of this weekend before? I think like I think I actually have. I think I I know it under, under a different name, but I don't know. Like, yeah, I know that there I think is it's a, called Cork's Women's Weekend now. Yeah, that's that's exactly. Like, I know that that's that's several of my colleagues would have gone to many of them and yeah, we talked about it. Yeah. And, so I know that it is supposedly like a fabulous fun weekend I've heard um, initially it was attended by women of all walks of life uh, but the event gradually became a bit more of a lesbian affair uh, <laughs> <laughs> with many of the attendees now reporting to have met their wives partners and lifelong friends at the events and it's still running today obviously as we said we under have the that name. for gay men it's called the boiler house <laughs> <laughs> exactly and look, that's for a post 9pm show uh, 1984 also saw the last issue of Identity magazine being published by the NGF or the National Gay Federation as it was known at the time mm-hmm. um, the Identity magazine it was first it was the first gay periodical in Ireland and it was an important benchmark for LGBT publishing uh, Eason's refused to stock it well of course they bloody yeah, would as the words gay or lesbian appeared on its cover and now look at them on Grandmam on every and single <laughs> bestseller list and it couldn't get more queer <laughs> uh, 1984 then to replace it also saw the replacement for Identity magazine the first publication of Out magazine was published in 1984 Out was a news and review magazine that was aimed at the gay community and a general audience who are more interested in LGBT issues and culture it was distributed by Eason's you'll be glad to know <laughs> good um, uh, it definitely achieved more uh, widespread penetration of the nation um, um, than the previous. And regular contributors included Nell McCafferty, David Norris, Tony Walsh, Nula O'Fuelon and Tom McGinty. Who, oh, the Dice Man. Yes, yes, the Dice Man, who we featured in... Oh, How, How to Tell a Secret. There you go, exactly. Now, from there, we're going to take it over to New York City. The first ever... Uh, MTV Video Music Awards took place no, in 1984. not from, the VMAs. Yeah, yeah. VMAs kicked off on September 14th and Madonna was booked to open the show with her very controversial tra- track Like a Virgin. Uh, she was relatively new to the scene at the time um, and it was held at Radio City uh, Music Hall in New York. She insisted in singing Like a Virgin which MTV uh, agreed to and I don't blame them. She also wanted to serenade a Bengal tiger but they wouldn't let her do that. Well, I think that's probably a, a wise idea. I don't think we'd be all celebrating Madonna's great tour this year if it no. hadn't been for her. Exactly. She would have been like, what was the name of them guys? The the, the the magicians from Vegas who had like white tigers. Oh yeah, the two boys. Yeah. Ted and Perry or something. Fred and Perry. God knows. Uh, anyway. Some, something along those lines. <laughs> uh, now, the performance didn't exactly go to plan though. As she descended from a giant wedding cake uh, from which she emerged, she lost her shoes, right? Oh, so she no. had to, she, she basically dove onto the floor um, and then exposed her undergarments. Her knickers were on air. 
okay, or on show. Mm. Um, instead of getting back up and doing her <laughs> rehearsed performance, she just decided that she was going to make a moment of it and she's dead right too. She began gyrating on the floor in a way that left little doubt as to what she was mimicking and I have to say now obviously she she's a one for now the old, uh, the old sort of you know gaffes during a performance yeah. if you think back to that one with the matador where she got yeah. reefed off the stage by her yeah. cave now it worked in her favour um, like a virgin reached number one in the billboard chart and became the first ever album recorded by a woman to sell more than five million copies so she, knew, she knew what she was doing uh, another few quick ones for you February 14th Valentine's Day 1984 Torvalin Dean one of the most f- um, famous events of the year they got tens 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 across the board um, and won a gold medal in the Winter Olympics for their Bolero and they have absolutely milked it ever since every year on Dancing with the Stars I don't, or not Dancing with the Stars Dancing on Ice Dancing on Ice they will make sure that they get they get their performance oh, in absolutely. Absolutely, that's it. They, yeah. they need they need you to all to remember. Absolutely, dining out. Then with Bob go. Geldof over in the Oscars. Uh, very little representation for the community in the Oscars in 1984. But Tom Hulds was nominated for his role as Mozart in Amadeus. Okay. Um, I don't know if you know who Tom's Tom Hulds I, is. I know neither who uh, who Tom Hulds is or the uh, the the movie Amadeus. Never heard of us. Well, there you go. Right, that says it all. <laughs> but actually, Tom Hulds also played the uh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame in the 1996. Disney's Disney. one is the only one yeah, I'm familiar that's with, it, and that's the one. Oh, is yeah, it? yeah. He was the voice of of um of the Hunchback. So there you go. Uh, Grammys Culture Club, we love it. Yeah, Boy George, they won the best uh, new artist in 1984, making Boy George the first openly gay man to win the award. Is Boy George cancelled? I think he has been. I think he has. Did been. he tie someone to a radiator? We can't quite he remember. Did. It was something yeah, he did. like that. I mean, I don't know how he's getting away with that, but okay. Uh, movies. Biggest movies released uh, that year included Terminator and The Karate Kid, the highest grossing movie. Do you have an, any idea? 1984. Big? No, it was Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah, no. Ghostbusters. Grossing 200, call? 220 million they made in the box office dollars. Um, albums. Thriller came out in 1983 but spent 15 weeks at at best-selling album. On the subject of people who are cancelled. There you go. Another one for you. (laughs) The 80s is just full of cancellation. Uh, The album that dominated the year was Purple by Prince though. It spent 22 weeks in the the number one spot and when Doves Cry which is one of the songs on the album uh, was the number one song on Billboard's Top 100 at the end of the year. I mean that is Prince fabulous when doves cry. I, I just I yeah. I see I see a lot of celebrating happening over in the producers box about Megan uh, loves about it. Prince. Megan loves Prince. Yeah, I, he's just they are just not one of my people that I've connected to. Fair enough. Um, fun <laughs> fact though, nineteen eighty four. We've been taken off there. <laughs> you have, not me. Nineteen eighty four uh, only had five top selling albums. It was the fewest number of best selling albums ever in a year in music history because Prince spent twenty two weeks of it and Thriller was up there for for fifteen weeks of it. Wow! Uh, very quickly before we go, right? Um, the Super Bowl halftime show was performed by Disney, which was apparently a big thing back then. Um, but it did not have a fairy tale ending. It was the um, it was the first halftime show to go very heavy on the pyrotechnics right so there was a lot of rockets a lot of fire and during the final number which was a rendition of When You Wish Upon a Star um from Pinocchio a flame from a rocket oh uh, they did not yeah. Pinocchio ended up with kindling on the no, fire no, did he? close enough close enough <laughs> uh, landed in the wooden stands uh, nobody was seriously injured but it did cause a fire and one man did sustain burns to his hand and then finally before we finish up uh, 
Princess Diana gave birth to her second child, Prince Charles. Oh. Uh, with Prince Charles, the, the new prince um, was the spare. Ne- the na- yeah. <laughs> oh my God, the spare prince was announced the next day as Henry Charles Albert David, also known as our Ari. I always think it's mad that his name is Harry, even though he's called Henry. I'm like, where did they yeah, get I this from? I didn't know that at all until I, uh, until, I was, until I was watching The Crane. On the subject, that's very relevant to the fact that the brand new season of The Crane came yeah. out just this week. I, re- I binge watched it all there uh, last night. I haven't seen the second part of they the new season. Did, they did Carol Middleton dirty, is all I'm going to say. Did they? I'm going to say, is that those Kate's writers, if they, 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 if they were going to do that to Carol Middleton, I do not want to see what they would have done to Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby about the queue. That's is, that's all I'm going to say. Is that, is that, um, Cara, is that Kate's Kate, Ma'am? Kate's Ma'am, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Well, that's it from this for this week's Reading in the Queers. Well, look, before we get on to, I think what you're all waiting for with absolute bated breath, the, the guest of Bop, uh, it's just, it, it falls to me to say yeah. to say a hearty goodbye. Thank you so much for um, for, for listening to Curiosity. It's been our joy to fill your ears with uh, with wonder and splendour over the last hour. Uh, do not forget that we are in part, we are produced in partnership with LGBT Ireland, the National LGBT Helpline, and it is here to listen in confidence and without judgment seven days a week on 1800 99 If you need support, don't hesitate to, to reach out. I've been James O'Hagan James O underscore Hagan I'm Podrick Wilson McCarthy Podrick underscore WMC and you can <laughs> check out the, uh, the the dedicated um, the dedicated Instagram for Curiosity on at Curiosity Radio or yeah. email us at Curiosity at Dublin City FM we would love yeah. to hear Please from you do reach out. and just it. to say we're very excited we've got two slightly different shows coming up next uh, for the next yeah. two weeks as we celebrate as we celebrate Christmas and New Year so make sure you tune in to see who's in the studio with yeah. us we've got uh, major guests major special guest announcement <laughs> warning get it onto your radar it's going to be it's going to be great fun but now we should get into guest a song now if you get this I'm telling you now I, I don't know how I don't know how you're going to get it but anyway the I last think time I got it in one it's, I know it's, it's about time now that I claim back right <laughs> this track the mystery bot for this week uh, is featured on the soundtrack of one of the most successful movies released in 1984 but I did not mention that movie in reading in the Ooh. queers because I wasn't going to give you the clue Right. So, there you go, right, first clue. It also featured um, in the 2011 remake of this movie, but it was a cover of the original song. So the movie came out in 1984, it was re-released in 2011, a remake of it, and the song features on both soundtracks. Okay, I'm going to take a guess. It is that song from Dirty Dancing that I can't remember the name of. No. Oh! <laughs> What's that one called? Um, what about? Oh, oh, no, that was that was this year. Um, Hero by no, 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 I'll keep going. I'll keep going. The song was released as a single from both the soundtrack and the artist's album of the song's same name on February fourteenth, nineteen eighty four, the same day that Torvalandine won. Uh, oh, the bodyguard. Nope. I will always love you No okay No The song became the artist's Second number one On the US Billboard Hot 100 It topped the dance And R&B charts And peaked at number two In the UK Singles chart Behind Wake Me Up Before You Go Go By Wham And it also peaked At number two On the Irish charts Okay right So we're talking about We're talking about We're talking about A song that is in we a movie. We are talking about a song. <laughs> we are talking about a song. I, I, I actually, I, okay, I'm lost. You're going to need to give me some more. Okay, some... the song's message is clear. This is the giveaway. Let's take a moment to recognise and celebrate the people who often go unnoticed and unappreciated. The artist celebrates the person who may not seem impressive or remarkable on the surface, but who has qualities and talents that are worthy of praise and recognition. 
um, D- Bette Midler f- oh Fly on the God. Wings of Love No I don't think she did See, Fly on the Wings of Love d- d- How does it feel to be In my, in my boots Now you this know is, Exactly I'm not, how it feels I'm not, I'm not loving this at all Isn't um, it it's, it's actually Anxiety this is very, this is very, I feel very stressed yeah, Right now I know um, Okay something about Thinking people are great Um Survivor by Destiny's Child. No, 1984, <laughs> babe. Even Beyonce would hear that name and be insulted. Okay, look, you're going to have to tell me. Okay, of course. Um, playing us out for this week, it's an absolute bop. Thanks as always for listening, but the last song playing us into the weekend is Denise Williams and Let's Hear It For The Boy.